1: Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 813 with Laura Vanderkam. Laura is back with more insight on how to carve out time for what's truly important, experience more satisfaction with how you spend your time and thusly your very life. So you'll learn one, the right way to do leisure time, two, the perfect day to do your planning, and three, how to make your schedule more flexible. So, if you want to check out the show notes or the transcripts or the links to items we've referenced, please visit us over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep eight one three and check out some of our goodies over at awesomeatyourjob.com like transcripts and more. Now, here's Laura's story. Laura Vanderkam is the author of several time management and productivity books, including The New Corner Office, Juliet's School of Possibilities, Off the Clock, I Know How She Does It: What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, and 168 Hours. Her work has appeared in publications including the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, and Fortune. She's the host of the podcast Before Breakfast and the co-host with Sarah Hart Unger of the podcast Best of Both Worlds. Big thanks to Laura for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Now, here's Laura. Laura, welcome back to How to Be Awesome at
2: Your Job. Thank you for having me back.
1: Well, it's so good to be chatting again, and I'm excited to dig into some of the wisdom of your latest Tranquility by Tuesday. But first, could you share with us maybe your most favoritist discovery of the last year or two?
2: (laughs) Well, I've had a lot of discoveries in the last year or two. Among other things, we moved into a very old home. Which was new to us, but uh, we did a lot of renovations to it. So I've discovered new things about like slate shingles. Hmm. Who knew that? <laughs> this is, uh, what anyone says to you, I'm, su- I'm sure I'm supposed to come up with some like great job tip or productivity type thing. And I'm about to say, slate shingles, there's a whole art form to it.
1: So now, is there a particular benefit to them being made of
2: slate? Well, it's just that that's how many used to be in very old houses, so if you have a historic commission who is monitoring your renovation moves, then you (laughs) need to uh, replicate what is there. But it turns out that when you see a gray roof that's like a slate roof, Mm -hmm. often it's a mix of different colors. So it's like a mix of purple and green and okay. darker grays and lighter grays. It's really, it's really kind of cool how they create the effect. But anyway, I've learned a lot of other things, but that was just on my mind because we've been doing a lot of renovations. <laughs> okay, well, that's fun. Well,
1: also fun is your book, Tranquility by Tuesday. What's the story here?
2: Yeah, so with Tranquility by Tuesday, I realized I've given a lot of time management advice over the years thousands of people at this point have sent me their schedules. I've weighed in. And at some point I realized I was giving a lot of the same advice that many of the things I was telling people to do were very similar, even though people's lives look very different. So I honed this down into nine of my favorite time management rules and then decided to test them out. So I had 150 people learn each of these nine rules one week at a time. They would answer questions about how they planned to implement it in their lives. They would then answer questions a week later about how it went I could measure them on various dimensions over the course of the project. And I'm happy to report that when people followed these nine time management rules, they did, in fact, feel more satisfied with their time. And so much of Tranquility by Tuesday is about their observations. You know, what they saw as they were trying to use these rules in their lives and the successes they had, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame those.
1: Oh, Laura, I love that so much. Getting real in terms of, okay, real people doing real stuff on a real program, measuring some things before and after, as opposed to simply pontificating. So this is what I think is cool about time management.
2: Well, I write self-help for busy people and, you know, I don't mm-hmm. want to waste anyone's time. So there you go.
1: Certainly. Well, so tell us what were the dimensions you measured and and what are some of the results? So listeners, I'm hoping are already salivating like, okay, Laura, what's the size of this prize? And uh I'll I'll be all ears for the nine rules once I know just how much more awesome my life and job will be.
2: Yeah. So I had this whole time satisfaction scale, which is 13 questions. And in order to turn qualitative measurements and the subjective measurements into some sort of data, I had these 13 statements and people would say how much they disagreed or agreed with them. So as an example. One statement might be, I regularly have time just for me, or yesterday, I didn't waste time on things that weren't important to me. Generally, I get enough sleep to feel well-rested. Yesterday, I made progress on my professional goals, things like that. And you could strongly disagree, in which case you put one, or you could strongly agree. That was a seven or various dimensions in between, you know, sort of disagree, sort of agree, that sort of thing. And so I could measure how people's answers to these questions and several others changed over the course of the nine weeks. And on the full scale, so combining all 13 questions, people's time satisfaction scores rose by 16% over the course of the nine weeks. So 16% looking at 150 people, that's a very statistically significant result. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe 16% doesn't sound huge to some people they are like, no, no, I want to be twice as satisfied. But, you know, it's like if if you're getting 16% returns on anything in nine weeks, I think that's pretty good.
1: Certainly. Well, and if it sticks, I mean, I'm thinking, well, if you're 16% more satisfied with your time, I mean, your time is basically your life. I was at Benjamin Franklin. Something about it. you know our lives are made up of, of of days and hours and minutes and seconds and they all come together and, and that's a life. So if people are sixteen percent more satisfied, that's like that's like a sixth of them, life or death.
2: <laughs> you, you know what I am saying? We're gonna do the math quickly. Well, I did check in with people a month yeah. later and three mm-hmm. months later, and in fact, the scores were still elevated. So certainly they were maintaining their uh, increased satisfaction with their time. All right, so sixteen percent.
1: I think that's a huge lift. Nine rules. That sounds pretty manageable and sensible. Lay it on us. What are these nine
2: rules? (laughs) Well, I can go straight through them if you would like. All right. The first one, rule one, give yourself a bedtime. Rule two, plan on Fridays. Rule three, move by 3 p.m. Rule four, three times a week is a habit. Rule five, create a backup slot. Rule six, one big adventure, one little adventure. Rule seven, take one night for you. Rule eight, batch the little things. And rule nine, effortful before effortless.
1: hmm
2: <laughs> Let me know which ones you want ex- explanations for.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, so give yourself a bedtime. I, I think I, I'm a believer. We've had a couple of sleep doctors. And so, so yeah, that's, that's huge. I think do it. I'm on board. I think there's a clear why. Are there any tips, tricks, tactics that make that easier and more effective?
2: Yeah. I mean, the reason I chose that as rule number one is because, yes, it is obvious. And also, it's amazing how many people don't do it. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. I saw a funny social media post today that somebody said, I would do anything to get eight hours of sleep except go to bed eight hours before I need to get up, (laughs) right? And and it's so true. I mean, you know, people have all sorts of reasons of why they don't get to bed on time, but it is just a math problem. You need to figure out what time you wake up in the morning. Many adults, this is a set number, right? You have to get up for work. You have to get up for your family responsibilities. It's not like there's a whole lot of give there. So if that is set, the only variable that can move is the time you go to bed the night before. So figure out how much sleep you need, count back from when you wake up, you've got your bedtime. Like, really, it's just a math problem. But in order to make it stick a little bit better, there's a couple of things you can do. I mean, one, most practically, set some sort of alarm for 30 to 45 minutes before your bedtime so you remind yourself to wind down, right? You need to brush your teeth. You need to lock your doors, whatever it is you need to do so that you're not remembering all those things right at your bedtime and then having to push forward when you go to sleep by quite a bit the key thing, one of the reasons people don't go to bed on time is because that's the time we have for ourselves, yeah. right? Like that's when your kids are in bed or you've done your chores or you've finished your work. And you're like, ah, now I can relax. Now the world is mine. I can do whatever I want. Who wants to cut that short or go to bed? And so what you need to do is make sure that you are having adequate leisure time, adequate me time at other points in your life. And a lot of the tranquility by Tuesday rules are aimed at doing just that. Making sure that you have other cool stuff going on in your life. That you have other spots where you are doing things that you're looking forward to so that you're not getting to 11 p.m. or whatever your bedtime is and thinking, "Oh, but you know, I haven't really had any time to relax. I haven't had any time to do fun stuff. Let me just stay up a little bit later."
1: Okay. Yeah, I think that's so dead on. You've nailed it. And I'm thinking about when my wife had COVID and I had full-time kid duty, as well as trying to keep the business at least limping along a little bit, <laughs> like team, do everything. I'll try to answer a few questions on email, kind of a situation. I remember it was it was jam-packed. And when those kids went to bed, it's like, man, I should go to bed now. And yet I had, in that time of like zero me time, I had the most... Overwhelming desire to play video games at 10 p.m. of my whole life, which is which is what was odd for me. (laughs) It's like, what is going on? And and that is what's going on, Laura. Thank you for that. You needed that
2: time for yourself. You needed the me time. I know, and so maybe that made sense, and it could work for a week, right, while she was recuperating, but. If you find yourself doing that long term, well, it's time to find some time for the video games at some other point in your life so that you feel like you get some fun. I mean, that's why we stay up late. We want our fun and don't want to be denied our fun. And the bedtime is what keeps us from doing it. We don't do the bedtime, but future us will be so much happier if we do get to bed on time.
1: Absolutely. And what's funny when it comes to leisure, it's almost like video games are I was like a junk food version of leisure. Because like, I, I don't really crave video games much, but then I was. It's like, I w- want to do the most, I don't know, pointless, self-indulgent, low effort, required of me, enjoyable thing there is, as opposed to, let's have a singing lesson yeah. <laughs> right now, you, you know? Well, let's
2: read Tolstoy, right? right? That was the other option. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, okay. All right. So, so that's, that's exactly what's going on. Give yourself a bedtime and in order to pull that off, make sure we're building in quality, leisure time, and and me time. Tell us about that. When it comes to making that happen, any parameters in terms of of how we schedule that and select what the activity is?
2: Yeah, so there's two of the rules that I think are really getting at Mm -hmm. this idea. One is rule number seven, which is to take one night for you. And this can be such a transformative rule for people who are in the busy years of having young kids at home, building a career. Take one night or the equivalent number of hours on a weekend, whatever you want, to do something that is not work and is not caring for family members. It is enjoyable just for you. Right. And ideally, you would make a commitment to something that meets at the same time every week, gets you out of the house. So because it's a commitment, you will do it right. You Mm -hmm. will do it even if life is busy. You will do it even if you're tired. You will do it even if somebody else would prefer you be doing something else. And, and so I'm talking about things like singing in a choir, playing in a softball league, volunteering somewhere regularly, joining a regular social group, bowling league, whatever it is, but something that you are going to go to every single week that you genuinely enjoy. And when you have this in your life, I mean, it can honestly, it can be like the structure of the whole week is now around this. <laughs> it's something you wind up looking forward to the, the whole time. And many people are like, well, I, I want to take one night for me, but I'm going to do something flexible. I'm going to do something like I'll just read or I will take a bubble bath or something. But the problem with those is that they can be done whenever. And so if your boss wants you to work late on Tuesday night, well, you're not going to be like, well, I have an appointment with I've my bubble, bubble bath. bath scheduled. <laughs> that bubble bath is mm-hmm. waiting for me. Or your kid wants you to drive them to the mall or you're, tired or just seems too busy and too much work, like you won't do it. Whereas if you are playing on a softball team, they need a second baseman, like you're going to show up. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and so because of the commitment, you do this active form of self-care and you wind up so much happier afterwards. So, so that's the first one. The second one that really helps with this is rule number nine, effortful before effortless. And this is about leisure time. Even the busiest people have some leisure time in their life. The problem is a lot of it occurs in either short spurts or it is unexpected. It is uncertain in duration and it may come at low energy times. So at night after the kids go to bed or you're waiting for a phone call to start, you could be on Twitter for two minutes or 20 minutes, right? You can be watching Netflix, even if you haven't planned ahead and don't have a babysitter like these screen time fits all these constraints incredibly well. And so it winds up consuming the bulk of our leisure time, which is fine. There is nothing wrong with screen time. The problem is that in the abstract, many people say they would prefer other forms of leisure, things like reading or hobbies or connecting with friends. And they also you don't remember a lot of your screen time. Like it doesn't register that you're getting free time. And so you don't count it. It doesn't become part of your narrative and you don't really feel rejuvenated afterwards. So you want to choose leisure that looks like leisure, right? Like you can't be doing a Lego set and not tell yourself it's leisure. Whereas if you are on social media, in your mind, you're like, well, I'm only one app away from my email. So really, I'm working, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the kind of thing that goes through our brains. So effortful before effortless means when a spot of leisure appears, challenge yourself to do just a few minutes of these more effortful forms of fun before you switch over to the effortless. So you're picking up your phone, read an ebook for two minutes before you open Facebook. Mm -hmm. Kids go to bed, do a puzzle for 10 minutes before you start watching Netflix. And one of two things happens. Either you get so into your effortful fun, you just keep going, like you just keep reading the book and that's great. But even if you don't, like at least you will have gotten to do both right? You will be more aware that you had this leisure time and that can help you feel like you have a lot more time for yourself.
1: Yeah. That's a great theme associated with being in in your own narrative inside your head when stresses besiege you (laughs) and it feels like you don't have the time, the energy, the resources, the emotional presence, the wherewithal the oomph <laughs> necessary to to meet the demands of life and stuff. And then you have an extra level, a layer of maybe resentment or irritability. Like, and I don't have any time for myself. You have inoculation or a thread of hope to hold on to. It's like, well, you know what? I did six minutes of puzzle <laughs> on Thursday and I'm going to do it again this Thursday. Yeah,
2: I have some time. It may not be as much as I want, but there's a very big difference between none And not as much as I want. Right. Uh, Yeah. None is just defeatist. Like you can't do anything with that. That's when we get into those spiraling thoughts of martyrdom or despair or burnout or all those things. But if you if it's not as much as I want, that suggests great questions right there that inspire some problem solving. Like, well, if it's not as much as I want, how can I make it more? Right. Mm -hmm. How can I make good choices within the limited leisure time I do have so that I'm doing things that are the most rejuvenating?
1: And I'm also thinking about we talk about One night for you, it it can be the night. It could also be, as you said, certain committed hours recurring on weekends. There seems to be a lot of emotional juice associated with the the ritual itself, even if it's tiny. Like I'm going to drink this amazing coffee and do the I don't know New York Times wordle or the puzzle or the Chess.com puzzle of the day or. Whatever I don't know, it, like that in and of itself seems like it would have a lot of inoculating benefit as opposed to, I guess the the vibe. What I'm what I'm trying to say is the vibe inside is more like ah, oh, this is the thing I'm doing for me and it's it's rejuvenating, tranquil, if you will, as opposed to ah, oh, here's my four minutes of Facebook. I'm gonna do, I'm like binging on it <laughs> yeah. while I'm getting it while the getting is good. Do you know what I'm saying in terms of like the mindset and the vibe?
2: It just feels more chosen, more yes. mindful, more intentional, and that and that's really what we're always getting at here. Like making mm-hmm. time more intentional, because when it is, you're more likely to spend it on things that are meaningful or enjoyable. Whereas when time is not intentional, then you spend it on whatever is right in front of you.
1: Mm-hmm. And there could be, I think, a little bit of, a, especially for people who like being awesome at their jobs, a little bit of a guilt factor in terms of I'm I'm stealing this time. For social media or whatever my low-quality, effortless recreation leisure is when I should be doing other stuff as opposed to, I know this is what we've intentionally scheduled, and this is the time for my puzzle or whatever, and it is right and just and proper that I engage in it, and I'm winning by doing so.
2: Yeah. Well, I think people would be so much better off scheduling conscious breaks during the day where they do things that are truly breaks. Right. So let's say you got an eight hour day. You could take a 30, 40 minute lunch 2 15 minute other breaks, you know, go for a walk on one of them, take the other one to do a puzzle or something, take your lunch break to call a friend, whatever it happens to be. But those things are things that are truly leisure, right? Like they look Mm -hmm. they are, in fact, leisure, whereas people spend all kinds of time on stuff online that they didn't really mean to. But it's just that it wasn't necessarily actively chosen and it doesn't look as much like leisure. Right. And, yeah. and so we we have this thing, this hang up about putting a flag in the ground. I'm claiming this time for leisure because, you know, when we're we're doing things on our phones, we can even claim like, oh, I have no time because it still looks like it's something else. Like we might be being productive. I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's hear about a few of these other things. Play on Fridays. What's the story here?
2: <laughs> yes. So planning on Fridays is really, honestly, one of my favorite rules. It's something I've been doing for years. It, it's really two points. The first and the most important point is to plan. I think everybody needs a designated weekly planning time. And this is a time where you look forward to the next week, ask yourself what is most important to you in three categories career, relationships, and self. These are hopefully steps toward your long term goals, things you want to focus on in the next week, ask where they can go figure that out. Look at what else you have to do over the course of the week. Figure out any logistics that need to happen. Figure out any tough spots. See if there's anything that you are genuinely looking forward to in the next week. But we do that and look at the week as a whole so we can make broader, more holistic choices as we figure out how to use time mindfully. And doing this week after week, you can really make a complex life go fairly smoothly. Why Friday's? (laughs) <laughs> so a lot of people plan on Mondays. They plan on Sundays. These are all very popular time for planning. Friday has a couple things going for it. I mean, one, Friday afternoon is just often wasted time. Many people who work Monday through Friday jobs are kind of sliding into the weekend by Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to start anything new, but you might be willing to think about what future you should be doing. And by taking a few minutes to plan the upcoming week, you can choose turn what might be wasted time into some of your most productive minutes. It's also business hours. So unlike planning on the weekend, for instance, if you need to make an appointment, if you need to set up a meeting, people are more likely to respond to you on Friday than they are on Sunday, most of the time. If you are managing people, they will probably respond to you on Sunday, but you should ask yourself if you really want them doing that. <laughs> and then, you know, it's also, I think the biggest reason, though, some people plan their weeks on Sunday nights or Monday mornings, and but even people who like their jobs can wind up with a little bit of trepidation on Sunday afternoon as they think about the upcoming week. And a lot of that trepidation is this anxiety over knowing there's so much waiting for you, but you don't know how you're going to deal with it, Yeah, right? Like you haven't formulated a plan for getting done what you need to do. You don't have a good grasp on what you do have to do. If you end Friday with a plan for Monday, you can actually enjoy your days off quite a bit more because you're not leaving yourself hanging saying, oh, I'll have to figure that out in the future. No, you know, you know, and so you can relax. Mm -hmm. Okay. And talk about batching. Batching. Yeah. So I think a lot of us feel like we are sometimes drowning in small details of our lives. And certainly you can have these at work. There's those random forms from HR responding to all those invitations, sending a few emails that aren't urgent, aren't that important, but still have to be done, paying bills, things like that. We can also wind up with tons of these in our personal lives. And the more people you have in your family that you're responsible for, the more of these there wind up being, you know, filling out that permission slip, signing the kids up for X, Y, or Z, or texting a babysitter for something two weeks from now. All these things we have to do. And it can feel like it will take over your life, right? Like you're never doing anything important, but you're always busy. And the solution to this is to learn to recognize these not terribly important, not terribly urgent matters and to batch them. Into small chunks of time so that you can leave the rest of your schedule open for deeper work or for relaxation. So, at work, for instance, maybe you designate a small window in the afternoon when you don't have a ton of energy to plow through all these tasks. Maybe on the home front, you can look at chores and things like that this way. Give yourself a two hour window on Saturday where you're gonna get through all those tasks you're assigning yourself for the weekend. And the upside of doing this is that one, you get some efficiencies. Like if you've got 30 minutes to deal with all these not terribly important, not terribly urgent little things on a workday, you're not gonna belabor that response to somebody that you've only got 30 minutes for all of it. You're not gonna sit there and perseverate over it. Like it's gonna get done. So you're gonna be more efficient. But it also allows you, you know, if you start thinking at some other point on the weekend, like, oh, I've got to clean my floors, I've got to clean my floors. It's like, no, no, there is a time for that. Mm -hmm. Saturday morning, we've got our chore window. That's when we do it. The rest of the time, it's not that time. So Mm -hmm. you can actually relax and have guilt-free leisure time, which I think is very elusive for a lot of people.
1: I see. Okay. And then I'm curious about the backup time.
2: So the backup slot, The best way to think of this is if people have been invited to any sort of outdoor event, like summer weddings or, you know, maybe not weddings, but graduation ceremonies or picnics, often on the invitation, they will have one of the most brilliant scheduling concepts ever invented. And I'm talking about the rain date, okay? Mm -hmm. And a rain date, what's going on here is that the organizers are acknowledging that much can go predictably wrong outside. It is right there in the rain date name. But there is no question whether the event will be rescheduled or for when. Like it will be on the rain date. And so if you want to go to this event, you're not gonna put anything unmovable in the second slot. And by having a rain date, you vastly increase the chances of the original event happening, even if not at the original time. And I think in life, we need a lot more rain dates. And people get incredibly frustrated about wanting to do something. You know, you've scheduled special one-on-one time with, say, one of your kids. Like, you're going to go to this amusement park together on the Saturday, and then it's like pouring down rain on that Saturday, or the kid is sick on that Saturday, or your spouse is unexpectedly called away to another town, and you can't leave all the other kids to to go do this. And it gets very frustrating. These things happen at work, too. You set up a meeting with an employee like that's You're going to give that celebratory feedback. Tell him he's working really hard. You're so proud of him. And this is great. You've got his back and people are quitting left and right. Very important to do that. And then right before it's scheduled to happen, you have a major client emergency. And of course, it gets bumped. Right. That seems like the responsible thing to do. But we feel very frustrated. So if something is important to you, it doesn't just need one spot. It needs a rain date. Mm -hmm. It needs a backup slot. And I know people say, well, that sounds incredibly unwieldy. Like it's hard enough to carve out one slot for stuff that I want to do, let alone two slots. But on some level, if it is truly important to you, then that's what you need to do. But you can also approximate this by building more open space into your life in general. So one solution, many people try not to schedule too much other than their planning on Friday's right? Because then they've got space for any emergencies that come up. If it bumps something from earlier in the week, it can get rescheduled to Friday. If that doesn't work, maybe it's like two afternoons a week that you try to leave mostly open or an hour and a half every day that is mostly open. But the idea is that if something gets bumped, it has a spot to go. Or if something amazing comes up that you didn't anticipate, some massive opportunity you have the space to take it, right? You don't have to, you know, shuffle everything else around or push this opportunity forward multiple weeks, in which case it might be gone. Like you can actually seize it.
1: Okay. Very nice. And how about the one big adventure, one little adventure?
2: So I have to say, this is probably one of my favorite rules. I don't really have a favorite rule. I like all of them, but this is probably a special one for me because I I do think it is life-changing to be in this mindset, which is that, Much of adult life becomes very same, very much the same day to day after a while. Like you get up, get everyone ready, you work, you collect everyone, go through dinner. If you've got kids, it's like homework and baths and put them to bed and then TV. You do this over and over again. And every day seems the same. And there's nothing wrong with routines. Like routines make good choices automatic. But when too much sameness stacks up, whole years can just disappear into uh-huh. memory sinkholes <laughs> like i don't even remember where the time went and you don't remember where the time went because you have no good memories of it like we don't say where did the time go and we remember where the time went so one big adventure one little adventure is about making memories every week you want to do two things that are out of the ordinary one big adventure means something that takes 3 to 4 hours think like half a weekend day one little adventure is something that takes less than an hour can be on a lunch break, weekday, evening, just as long as it's different, memorable. And this rate of adventure Mm -hmm. is not going to exhaust or bankrupt anyone. It's not (laughs) going to upset the routines that exist, but it is going to make life a lot more interesting. You're not going to be like, another week, where did the week go? You're like, no, no, that was the week we went mini golfing. That was the week we tried out the new gelato place. That was the week we drove to see the colorful fall leaves at the beach. It was just something that would make it a little bit more different, enjoyable, memorable, and then time doesn't feel like it's slipping through your fingers.
1: Mm, That's beautiful. Well, Laura, tell us anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things.
2: Yeah, so I mean, these Tranquility by Tuesday rules are all designed to be very practical. I mean, they're not rocket science. They are not difficult to do or get your head around it. It's more about really trying them and seeing what happens as a result. And the way people did this project in my research is that they learned a new rule each week. And I think that's a good idea. If somebody is going to read through the book, try each rule one at a time, try to make it a habit, and then you can add the next one and see how they build on each other. But and the upside of doing this project is I am pretty sure that when you do these rules, you will, in fact, feel more satisfied with your time. I mean, that was the results of these 150 people I measured on these various dimensions of my time satisfaction scale over nine weeks. Like they do feel better. The rules helped. So I'm pretty sure that they will for other busy folks as well.
1: All right. Well, now can we hear a favorite quote, something you find inspiring?
2: So one of my favorite quotes is actually very, very short. It's attributed to, it's Ovid or Ovid. I never know how you say it, but it's that dripping water hollows out stone. And there's a a lot of variations of that. Dripping water hollows out stone, not by force, but by persistence. But the idea being that when you do small things repeatedly, it does add up. And I've been seeing that a lot. I've been doing a couple of long-term reading projects since I talked to you last. Uh, Last year, I decided to read through War and Peace.
1: Okay. Okay. And could you share a favorite study or experiment or bit of research?
2: So one of my favorites, just because it's so practical, like, so it it fits with what I think many of us have experienced, and I wound up citing this in in rule number three, move by 3 p.m., is how much people's energy jumps when they get tiny bits of physical activity. So this one particular study they had, when somebody's a group of people, when they rated their energy as three on a 10 point scale, right? So they're feeling really weary and not very energetic when their levels were at a three said, okay, go do a couple minutes of physical activities. They could go up and down the stairs in their office building, run around, whatever it was. And after a couple minutes of this, they basically gave themselves like a nine on the 10 point scale. And an hour later, they were still at six. Right? So five minutes. That's all it takes. I mean, people spend so much effort, money. We have unhealthy habits trying to make ourselves have more energy. Like the number of people who reach for coffee or candy or cigarettes at three o'clock in the afternoon, because that's how they're going to get through the rest of the day. It's like, well, going for a 10 minute walk is not only free, it's healthy and it is pretty close to guaranteed to work. Right. So Mm -hmm. I love that. It's just one of those little miracles that's available to us all the time. And yet we don't necessarily avail ourselves of it as much as we should. All right. And a favorite book? I have to say War and Peace. Okay, It really is a good one. I loved it. Mm -hmm. And a tool. And a tool. I am loving right now the fact that my phone works as a scanner. Oh, that's cool. In case anyone here has not discovered this yet, if I'm the last person on the planet to figure this out, but maybe I'm not, I'll share this. When you open the Notes app in Apple Apple phone, you can click on the picture, and then one of the options is scan documents. And you hold up the phone, and it basically takes a scan of the document, and you can do multiple documents at the same time, and then email them automatically to people because it's right on your phone. And that was such a wonderful time saver you know, when we were buying and selling our house over the past year, because, of course, you have like a thousand documents involved in this that I'll have to get to the bank and get recorded and such. And I was like, just scanning it with my phone. And it was wonderful. (laughs) So much easier than in the old days.
1: That is cool. And a favorite habit.
2: So I also, in addition to my reading projects, do a tiny bit of writing every day, my free writing. And I've done this in the past and have been a little bit free form about it. So every day I write 100 to 200 words of something and i'm always trying out ideas thinking what might be interesting. This year i decided to do it a little bit more focused and intensely. So i every day write 100 to 200 words about a character in the course of one day. So it'll be 365 little vignettes about a person over the course of one day and i'm just seeing what i do with it. It's been kind of fun. So that's uh, one of my favorite habits right now.
1: Okay. And a key nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks, they quote it back to you often.
2: People are a good use of time. That's right. (laughs) So, I mean, we worry about how productive we are, how efficient we are with our time, and all that is great. But ultimately, what we have is the people who go through life with us. And sometimes they are slightly less efficient than we would wish them to be. But uh, generally, if you are investing in the relationship and feel that you are both growing closer as a result of the time you are spending, then probably that was a wise use of those hours.
1: All right. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them?
2: You can come visit my website, lauravandercam.com, which I have everything about my books there, my podcasts, and I'm blogging usually three to four times a week. So you can read my observations on life, productivity, and everything else.
1: Okay. And you have a final challenge, a call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs?
2: I think anyone can benefit from tracking their time. Ideally for a week, even a couple of days is good. Many people have to bill time for their jobs or they get paid by the hour. So you're somewhat familiar with how you're spending your work hours. But try tracking all your time because partly it helps to see that there is time outside of work. Usually even the people who are working very long hours have some amount of time and that can kind of change your narrative of, of time that is available to you. But if you aren't really sure what your work weeks look like, this is helpful too because it allows you to say, well, How many hours do I tend to work? And if you know the denominator, then you can decide what proportion you want to devote to different things. But if you don't know that number, it's a little bit harder to make those choices in a smart manner. So knowing where the time goes is really the first step to spending it better.
1: All right, Laura, thank you. This has been a treat. I wish you lots of luck and lots of tranquility.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me back.
1: I really appreciated Laura's perspective on doing at least a little bit of the effortful rejuvenation before you go into the effortless rejuvenation. And You might just get into a really cool groove. And that's helping. I dig it. Great stuff from Laura. Again, the show notes, the transcript, and the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP813. Hope to catch you next time and peace.
0: Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full-text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered.